This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Now, your Bible should be pre-marked to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to move right along. We're going to go over a few things we always do. We're not going to get in-depth into it because, it's, because we have new information to get to, but we want continuity of thought, so we will bring you back in where we left off, and we're going to flow. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, 12 and I think this is our fourth lesson on this particular subject. This, God is prepared. We're being prepared by the Master's hands. All of this was done at the cross so that now we can be prepared. You know, you go up to the cross, after the cross it's time to be prepared to walk this thing out. See, if all it was was for Jesus just to save you, as soon as you got saved you should have died and went to heaven. But there's a preparation because there's a work to be done. Because there's many that do not know Him. There's many that do know Him, but live in defeated lives and they need to understand this word. And God needs representatives in the earth. Representatives that will minister to those that are without. Those that don't know. Ministering the knowledge that He, the anointing of the knowledge that He gives to those that are without. Amen? And in Philippians chapter 2, God here has been, he has already been preparing us, and I said last week since the transitioning of our pastor, he has been preparing us for his next move. And always remember this, whether you go to church every Sunday or not, always remember there's always going to be a next move of God. He's always moving. Now, in Philippians chapter uh, 12, beginning at verse, hmm, what verse am I at? I mean, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 2. I'm in the wrong place. Philippians chapter 2. Where am I? I'm all in another scripture. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Are you following? Just just get on board. In in chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence? And that's a good, that's a message all in, in and of itself. And that's the, that's the thing about it that you have to understand, especially those that belong to this ministry. It's, it's, a, it's not okay just to be faithful when your presence here. When we're absent from one another, we need to still be present. I mean, we need to still be faithful in everything that we do. Faithful in our studying. Faithful in our prayer life. Faithful in our fasting. Faithful in our giving. Faithful in, in every area. Faithful in our love walk. We still have to be faithful, whether we're all together or whether we're in our individual's homes. Let's read that again. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we were saying, if we're going to be restored, we have to work out our own salvation. I love that. See, God, and people love to try to put it in, in, the, in the hands of someone else. But here, the scripture is plainly telling us, you have to work out your own salvation. That means whatever's going on in your spiritual walk, it's on you because you must work out. You must draw from the wells of salvation. You have to work out. That means 
means that it's a work day in and day out. I don't, you don't have, you don't have time to be bored. You have work to do. Work out your own salvation. And if we're in this process of God preparing us and in this process of God restoring us, then we must work out our own uh, uh, salvation. And then I told you when he said, when I said, uh, when I talk about God's next move, I told you make it personal, very personal. I am way I am getting myself prepared for God's next own self. You know, collectively He's working with us as a body of Christ, but personally He wants individuals to work out their own salvation and to say, "I want to be used in God's next move, so I need to be restored." And I told you that we, when God um, moves, it's always going to be connected with a different phase in our life. We have different phases in our lives. And because of that, you need to always be on point. Because whatever phase in your life, whether you know it or not, there's different phases. We weed in and out of different phases in our life. God's next connect with the phase of your life. If you are on point, if you are listening to the voice of God and you have your fingers on the pulse of God, then you are going to connect with that, with your next phase. You're going to connect with what God is doing. He's showing us day in and day out. Amen. And then we said that we need to, if we want our lives to be restored, that all that God is talk, talking to us about, about ourselves, we have to work it out. God is working on the inside of us. He's dealing with things that nobody else sees. He's doing with things, dealing with things with you that nobody else knows. And he's telling you, this is the opportune time for you to work it out. Work it out. He said, I'm going to give you every tool you need to work it out. I'm going to expose everything that needs to be exposed so you can work it out. So in our plan of being restored and allowing God, the Master's hand to allowing the potter to take the clay and begin to restore us, we say, Lord, we're here to work it out because God has given us the strength to work it out. Amen. I told you the purpose of this teaching is to give you tools that you need to work out your restoration. And I'll say it again and I'll say it throughout this whole series. I'm not here to do it for you. You must do it. I'm not doing any of the work for you. No pastor, no no man or woman of God is going to do the work for you. They're busy doing it, the work for themselves. So there's no one's going to do it for you. You must work it out yourself. Amen. We also said that restoration is a process. A process means that it takes time. It's a process. It's going to it's going to take time and it's going to take work. I know we want things quick, fast, and in, in a hurry. We live in America. Everything fast-paced. We got a microwave. So that's what we want. We want a microwave Christianity. No such thing. You couldn't handle a microwave Christianity. You can't handle this long because if you could, God wouldn't have to be restoring. So let you understand process takes time and it takes work. Amen. I told you the goal of this teaching is to, for us to be established and productive. Both. Because see, there's many people in the body of Christ. Some are established and not productive. Some are productive and not established. But God said, when you are restored, you can be both. And we strive to be both. That's one of the things that's happening in this teaching and when God is restoring is we are going to strive to be both. We want to be both. We want to be established and we want to be productive. Most people think they're established because they have things and stuff. That doesn't 
that only establishes you maybe in the natural. And guess what? It, it doesn't really establish you there because die and see if you can take it with you. It'll be someone else's. So it's just, it's just something to have. But, but establishing yourself with that that's going to last forever is the things of God that will go, go with you into eternity. Things and stuff, cars and houses and stuff, clothes and shoes and, and all those things, they won't go with you into eternity. But the Word of God will, your righteousness will, your holiness will. That will go right in with you into eternity. So we want to be a people that are established and productive, and we can be that. We're not going to go through all that. And I told you that it's several things. And all of this teaching that we're going to do is several things that I'm going to be teaching you. And several things that God is just dealing with my heart about. And one of them is how to rebuild uh, uh, what has been damaged. And that's what we were talking about last week. Rebuilding things that have been damaged in our lives. And we, you know, a lot of times... We'll think we're okay until God begins to minister something like this. And then we'll find out we're not as complete as we thought. We're not as whole as we thought. We didn't understand because a lot of times things sit dormant in us. And it's just there. And you'll be like, you know, God said, no, I want to restore you from all that in your life. And then I told you I'm going to teach you how to reheal your hurts. How to repair the breaches in your life. And I told you breaches is just something that, that should have been in place that's not in place in your life. And then I'm going to teach you how to prepare yourself to be used. Because when God wants to use you, there are things that you, you need to be prepared for when he wants to use you. And then I told you how to be ordered. Ooh, that one, I just can't wait. I can't wait to just really, really dissect that. And really, I want some good, good illustrations on being ordered. Because that's one thing that God's people don't like to be. They don't like to be ordered. They don't like to be ordered. But we're going to learn. learn those, those are just different tools that God is going to give you to make sure that you work it out. Amen. And then how to be equipped for the work. And how to be strengthened to accomplish the will of God. All of this is greatly needed if you're going to be in, within God's next move. But again, the Bible tells us we must work out our own salvation. And all that we're talking about, remember, it's your job to work it out. Amen? Now, when God is working in you, you have to work out. And, you, and to do that, you have to obey. You have to obey the Word of God. When I see something in the Word that points out a deficiency in my life, I don't try to fight with it. I don't try to make it something else. I don't say that it's not me. I know that it is a deficiency in me, and now God has instructed me how to take care of that. I just obey. Obey. I, now see, people will tell you a lot of things. See, I'm not impressed with compliments from people. Because I know me and God knows me. So you, some people, they get to, you know, they, they're excited because somebody give them a compliment and they want to tell everybody the compliment someone gave them. But the thing about it is, it, it, if you have a deficiency, if, no matter what somebody told you, if God to shows you you have a deficiency, believe God. Because people are only giving you what, they, what you've shown them. But God knows the real you. So if God is showing you, I don't care what someone told you, how good you are, how kind you are, how wonderful you are, and God comes up like a day like this and begins to show you a deficiency in you, believe that. 
Because, again, people are only giving you compliments off of what you've shown them. But God knows the inward part that no one else knows. Understood. That's very understandable. And then we tell you that there's three aspects to obedience. To obey means to listen attentively. Because there's no way that you can hear or can obey if you don't listen. It's no way. Now, many of you listen, but you do disobedience. That means you haven't heard anything. You know how you can, you know how Charlie Brown, the, the adults on Charlie Brown, wonk, 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 that's all it sounds like to you. Amen? Now, we have to serious, ser, let me, we have to take serious everything when God speaks to our heart. Take it serious. Stop looking at a vessel. Take it seriously when God speaks to your heart. No matter who it comes from, take it seriously. We have the heart to hear it and to understand it and to obey it. We have to have a heart to hear it, understand it, and obey it. Then we said you have to submit fully. It's the second aspect of obedience. You have to submit fully, meaning I have to do all, not some, I have to do all that God is requiring of me. That means if God has put a requirement on you, and let me tell you, when I say a requirement, I, it, it wouldn't change it when I say God has done it. When God has put a commandment on you, because God's word is never a suggestion. It's not, well, I'm going to tell you to do this and you can do it. For Whenever God gives you a requirement, it's a commandment. It's a commandment. You can't come out of it. You must obey that, whatever it is. You don't, you don't not obey it because something changed. For example, I, I, Corona, whoever, it, whatever come, whatever God has told you before Corona came on the scene, it's still in place. Why? Let me tell you, if God is shocked and God has to change because of some disease named after a beer, then he's not God. God is not moved by no disease that's named after a beer and anything else. Whatever God said, he already knew. So you can't say, oh, this is changed, so I need to change that. No, God, as if God is surprised? No way. God is not surprised. God, when God, whatever God told you two years ago, it still applies. I don't care what disease come on the scene. It does not change straight across the board. Well, doesn't things, things change if I lose my job? Well, or only if it shocks God and He can't, He can't supply you. Because He already, knew, He already knew it before you, before any of this, whether you were gonna not have a job or not. And He never said, okay, now if that happens, we might have to change a little something else. If He has to do that, He's not God. Guess why? Because I do stuff like that. And I know I'm not God. So now if God has to change because circumstances change, He's not God. So whatever He told you about, whatever He told you about, and I'll guarantee you, things that He told you a year ago, two years ago, it's a lot of things He told you. Just know He haven't changed. He haven't changed. He will not. So we must submit fully. Then we have to conform completely. That is how we... Whatever God asks us to do, we have to conform. We can't half do. We can't partially do. We can't, okay, I'm going to try to do. Nope, i got to conform completely. 
And here's the problem. Oftentimes, we do what we're instructed, but we never do, we never become what we're instructed. Remember we talked about that. See, it's one thing to do what you're asked to do. It's another thing to become what you're asked to do. And when you do that, guess what? Now, you, now you're moving with God. Now you're moving with God. Why? Because God has said, ah, it doesn't matter, God. You've already said it. I'm not moved. I got to. Because there's going to always be a reason for you not to give. There's going to always be a reason for you to doubt. There's going to be always a reason for you to worry. There's always going to be a reason for you to get upset. It's going to all, there's always a reason to do anything that's opposite of the Word of God. But you got one good reason to stay put, and that's faith in the Son of God. That the resurrection Savior have given you the ability and the right and the privilege to obey God no matter what the circumstances are. No matter what they are. We press toward the mark. Amen. We went over to Genesis 4, and we're not going to go there this morning, but we went over there in our last teaching, and we began to look at Cain and Abel. And with, when we were talking about listening attentively, when God speaks to our hearts, I want, and, and submitting fully and conforming completely is what God is, He, he begins to speak to our hearts about those things. Now li- listen to this. For this tool number one, and I wanted you to subtitle that the message, and we're still on this message, so you can still stay there, rebuilding what is damaged. Now, you're going to have to listen attentively, because the thing about it is, everybody thought we were going in one way. I told you, whenever you think you know where God is going, you think he's coming through the front door, and you go to the back, he'll come through the roof. If you think he's going to the roof and you look up, he'll come from up under the floor. You are never going to put God in a box and think you know how he's going. Because in this message, he went a whole nother way. We thought that by the t- when God started talking about restoring and, and relationships that, oh, i got to go and apologize for that. But we found out that the whole thing was us, that we had been affected by damaged relationships in our lives. Amen. And we said that, that uh, when something is damaged, it reduces its value and its usefulness. We won't get all out. We were into that last week. We're not going to get back into that. But it, 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 it totally damages and reduces its value and its usefulness. When something is damaged, I mean, you could buy something that's pricey and you can, and once it's damaged, it just loses its value. If you, you'd be like, oh, that, you know, that. I mean, you can get a, a piece that's worth a thousand dollars and you get a chip on it and now it knocks it down to five hundred. The, the piece looks fine and you think, I can put a little glue on it and fix it back and tap it back together, but it, the, it will, I'm telling you, it you, loses its value. So it is with relationships. And God said that we must rebuild is, we've had un, improper relationships. And I'm telling you, when we thought of that, we thought the first thing, you know, I was mad at so-and-so. But no, I told you, listen intentively. And I'm telling you again today, listen intentively. It's not about... What has happened is these damaged relationships have put a mark on you. It has affected you. Not your relationship with a person, but it has affected you. Damage is that thing that... That makes it where it's, again, useful, no. Valuable, no. It begins to diminish. Your interest in it begins to diminish. 
you know, you can tell when in a relationship and you've been, you know, your interest, in, in, everything just changes. After damaged relationship. And God is saying it's time to fix those. Amen. And then we found out that a relationship is, that's what a relationship is, is relating to someone. But we found out that when we have damaged relationships, it, it prevents us to, to relate to things that's needful for us. It, it makes it hard for us. And God is saying, nope, I want those healed. I want those restored. I want relate, proper relationships store, restored so that you can find usefulness again, value again. Because every, anything that has happened in the relationship, it has affected you. Amen? And then we said, if you're going to rebuild uh, a damaged relationship, you're gonna, it's, gonna, it's going to be through obedience. I'm not going to let you get away from obedience. Because obedience is key. And that is the biggest struggle in the body of Christ. That's the, that's the biggest struggle among God's people. Obedience. Oh, we talk a good talk. But to actually put it in actuality and to actualize it, no, we can't. And so obedience, or we won't. It's not that we can't. We won't. Obedience is key. Now... Restoration requires us, first of all, to rebuild a relationship with God. And most of us were shocked because we thought we were okay with God until God revealed to us that you have a problem with me. You've, you're mad at me. You've been upset with me. You've even been upset with me and made it lay dormant inside of you like you were all right with me. And God began to show us last week that there's a lot of things that can be damaged in our relationship. And then we said ignorance can make you damage uh, your relationship. You mean ignorance to the things of God? Yeah, you can, you know what, you can think you know Him and don't. You can think you know Him and you don't. You think you know exactly what's, what He's going to do and you don't. You, you, you think you know Him so much, you even told yourself things that He have not even promised that He'll do. We talked about the different damages. We won't go to, through all of those because there's too many that we talked about. Unforgiveness, that's a big one. That is damaged relationships. The Bible says if I have unforgiven or unforgiveness in my heart for others, my prayers are hindered. For some of you, that is the thing that has been hindering your prayers for years and years, even decades is unforgiveness down deep on the inside. Oh, on the surface you act like you've forgiven. But remember, God is dealing with the unseen work. And your prayers have been hindered. Amen? And again, you can show up every Sunday. You can show up every Wednesday. You can show up to every service there is. If If you're ignorant of the things that God is showing you, you're still going to be a damaged individual. You're going to be someone lacking. And that is your responsibility to see that you get out of unrighteousness and into righteousness. Because you are tired, you know what, you ought to be tired of being in unrighteous relationship. And those, those unrighteous relationship with God. And then remember I told you sometimes we have unrighteous um, um ways toward God because of unmet expectations. Something we thought he was going to do or we thought he said he was going to do and he didn't do. And now we're upset. And then I told you, you can measure it yourself and then you'll know how much you say that you love God and trust God. And I told you, the distance in time between the instructions that he gives you and your obedience 
is a representation of your lack of trust in him. How long does it take you to obey what he's asked you to do? Some of you, even to this day, God has asked you years and years and years to do things, and you still haven't done them. But you say you trust God. Just think back on it. Years and years and years, God has asked you different things, different things he's asked you to do. He's, I mean, he's opened doors for you to get done, and you just let that door, you walk right past that door. And you're always, gonna, you're always going to do it. So, that you don't have to say, well, I wonder where I am. You can measure it yourself. You be your own measuring stick. How long does it take you to obey what God has told you to do? And that will be your representation of your lack of trust in Him. Then we also said, what else damages the relationship is comparison. And that's what we looked at over with Cain and Abel in Genesis. We saw all of that in the brothers. Now, all of that that came down, all because, and we're not going to go there, but all of that, if your relationship with God is damaged, it, is da- it will damage every other relationship. Did you hear me? If you're having a problem with God, and again, most people think, I don't have a problem with God because I'm coming to church, but, but that's why I said you better listen to the last week's message because you can come to church every Sunday for decades and still have a problem with God. You can't, and, and, and not even know it and be like, I don't. But, and then you're wondering why. Why is it that every time you get in a relationship with anyone else, and I'm not talking about an intimate relationship or sexual relationship or, or, I'm just talking about a relationship pretty. Why is it that you can't keep any relationship going? Why is it a problem with every relationship? Because once you have a problem with the relationship with God, it affects every other relationship. It affects every other relationship. One way or the other, it affects one of, of, of the relationship. And we looked at Cain, Cain and Abel, and we're not going to go through all of that, but we saw, that we saw all the different things that Cain did and Abel did and, and what God approved of and what he didn't approve of. And the main thing, and I told you, I used to kind of feel, and I'd be like, you know, well, it wasn't, you know, you know Cain would, you know, Cain wasn't that bad. I mean, at least he brought something. But he didn't do what God said. See, you can't do what you want to. When God tells you specifically what to do, you can't do what you want to do. You can't do something else. You can't say, okay, I know God is telling me to do this, but I'm going to do this. Well, God, God knows my heart. I know he said this, but I got to do that. No, you got to do exactly what he says. And, and, and when you look back at Cain and Abel, notice Cain never did obey God. And God never got angry at him. He never fussed at him. He never hollered at him. He never, as a matter of fact, God encouraged him. God said, if you do what's right, won't it be fine? Your countenance don't have to look like that. Actually, God, it wouldn't change our scriptures for, for us to say, God said, if you just go back and do what's right. Everything will be all right. But he never did. Can you imagine what would have happened if he would have went back and did what was right? The whole circle. I believe everything would still, everything would have been different. But our Father always knows exactly what we're going to do, right? And so, in that, God was dealing with him. And and we're not going to get through all of that because I'll never get to my other notes. But you need to go back and and look at that. Then we said you have to deal with what's on the inside. See, we all like to deal with what's on the outside. 
See, we all like to deal like that. But God, we sit, God is saying, nope, I want you to deal with what's on the inside. All of this anger that you have, all of these complaints that you have, all of the things that you're saying that this, oh, that, and nothing's working, this, this. Y'all, it's always a complaint every day. Well, why is this? And why is it? Every time you hear a message, you got to complain about that. Listen, God did not cause what you feel. That's your own damaged relationship you have. And and so now you have a problem with everything. But I'm telling you again, God did not cause what you feel. Amen. And then saying, you know what? I didn't cause how you feel and how you're relating to him is very wrong. Because now we feel like, God, I have a right to be angry. I got a right to question you, God. Why this? Why that? I mean, all of us have, let me tell you, all of us have been in that place before. And that was the wrong relationship. That is the wrong relationship. And because of that relationship, every other relationship is going to be, going to feel the blunt of that. Amen. When our relationship with, with God is damaged, you know, the question we need to ask ourselves is, what is the real issue? What is the real issue? Because there's a real issue behind it. And you need to ask yourself, what is the real issue? And then I say, ask yourself, is the real issue ignorance? Just ignorance. And I told you, don't get upset about that word ignorance. It just simply means ignoring the truth. But can the real be is just ignorance. I really don't know him and how he operates, so I expected something of him that he didn't deliver. And that's because you don't know him. Because he's only going to deliver what he said in his word. He's only going to deliver that. And so we can't, you, can, you know, we, we don't ever want people to die. We're upset about when people die. But God has already told us in the word that it's appointed once for every man to die. So everybody's time is coming. It's like a long line and you're looking ahead, don't know how far back you are. or whatever. But it's appointed once. So why are we upset with them. Why do we act like nobody's ever going to die? You know, they're going to die. I'm going to die one day. You're going to die one day. If Jesus tarried, all of us are going to go that route. Everybody. Because it says it in His Word. And so, why am I disappointed? Why am I upset? Why am I mad? Well, I just don't understand because what about when children die? You know, I know that in God. Listen, why? It doesn't matter what, you know, you don't know all the ins or out or anything. All you know is that it's appointed once for man to die. And then the judgment. That is the truth. All the ins and outs of everything else has nothing to do with you. You have to say, God, I may not understand it all, but I know your word is true. But damaged relationships won't let you look at things like that. And then you have to look at the, the real issue, unrighteousness. You know, we could just be unrighteous. We can be unrighteous with people and think we can be righteous with God. We could be nasty to people and think that we're okay with God. God said, nope, when you're nasty to people, you're not okay with me at all. And I don't care how much you say you love me, and I don't care how much you're doing for me. Doing works around the church for God is not saying, God, I love you. We have, let me tell you, God wants to see your love shown to people, not what you do. Amen? And then we said that, you know, um, we said that we can't be angry with God. 
We, if you're going to have faith with God, we, and many people say, they like to say they have faith in God, but I've noticed over the years there's very little trust. We, we, uh, well, I have the faith of God for this. I have the faith of God. And you know what, what I've noticed so much, in, and it bothers me, and, I, you know, and, and, I've, and I've been asking God to sh- show me a way to minister to people like that. I am tired of hearing people ordering God around. Just ordering him around like he's a servant. I mean, they're, they're telling him, him to go by the hospital. God, go into that room and do this. And God, raise him up right now. I mean, just, I mean, we just forcefully, and, and, and that's beginning to really irritate me now to hear Christians just ordering God around. You said this, God, and I, and I believe this, and God do this, and God do that. As if he's a servant. No, we're his servant. And we don't know, all of a sudden, we don't know how to humbly go before God and say, God, thy will be done. Because we don't trust him. Because God, if I tell you that, you're going to do something and you're not going to look out for my interest and I'm going to have a problem. Because you don't trust him. So, I don't trust him, so I'm going to tell him what I need him to do. This is what we need you to do, God. Now, God, go into the room. Touch their body. Raise them up right. I mean, just, just I mean, you don't approach a and that's beginning take me and I see it among so many Christians and they say it under the guise of lines of loving God and holy God and God said it's ignorance they don't know me see there's a difference in knowing of someone and knowing them for example you be like oh yes I, we wish President Obama was back because we know him no you know of him you don't know him. And see, a lot of times, yeah, well, I know God. No, you know of him, but you don't know him. I, well, I know God. This, this, well, how, you, no, no, you know of. And, and some of you are just quoting things that you've heard. You don't, you don't even believe that yourself. You just heard somebody else say it. That's saying knowing of them or knowing of what they said, but you don't, you don't believe any of that. And that's the sad part, and we need to come away from that. And then we said that if you can't fix your relationship with the perfect God, there's no way you're going to fix a relationship with an imperfect person. No way. No way. If you can't trust him, then, listen, then trusting another person is not happening. If you can't first trust God, you're not going to trust anyone else. Amen. And then I told you about forgiveness. And I said, if you can't forgive him for what he didn't do or what you thought he was supposed to do and he didn't do, you're never going to forgive a person for what they actually done because people can actually do something and God requires you to forgive them and you're not going to do any of that. Amen. And that's kind of where we left off at. And it, it says, if you require, you're required to do what is required. Now, if you're going to be restored, if God is going to do some restoration requires that not only deal with what's on the inside, but I am required to do what is required of me. God, if God requires something of you, God said, you know, you have to do it. And again, again, back to Cain and Abel. If Cain never did do what God said, you got to do what's required. Amen? And then I think letter C, we said... You got to make sure that you're not deceived. Don't be deceived. Listen, God loves you, but you do have an adversary. Never forget that you have an adversary. 
You have an adversary. And he desires to get in between the relationship that you ought to have with God. That's his desire and that's his plan. I gotta get in between. That's why when people die, we blame God. God, the devil said, let me get in between that. Even if somebody died and said, eat, listen, the Bible clearly tells us that the devil comes not but to kill, steal, and destroy. It's there. I can't believe that we're going through this. I can't believe that we did this. I can't believe they did that. But this is what you have to know. I don't care if a person die in God or outside of Christ. Listen. God is all comfort. He is all comfort. And God is saying, I'm here to help you, to comfort you in the unavoidable consequences of death. Because though, though the consequences of death is a result from Adam's sin, and it's there, and it's going to be there. But yet the first time in life that someone dies that really means something to you, there's trouble for you on the inside. And then you sit in here Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and month after month, and even years after years, you'll sit there and never fix the relationship with God. Upset, not understanding, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Why, God? Why? They had grandchildren. They had this. Why, God? What? Still. And now that he's about to make his next move, and now that he's preparing those people that for his next move, you are too damaged. You don't want to talk to God. You just want to hear messages. And he's the one that's here to help you. He's here to help us. But he cannot help you if you have a damaged relationship and you, and you don't believe that you're deceived. You've got to recognize, you know what, I've been deceived too long. Listen, understand this. Your issue, your situation is not somebody else. Ooh, write that down. See, because everybody have a reason to say it was because of this. It was because of him. It was because of her. It was because they did this. It's because of that. God is saying today to you, your issue is not somebody else. You know, it's interesting. And there's also some statistics out there that tells us many different things, how people, they, 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 they build themselves off of blaming other people. Finding a scapegoat. That's called deception. You deceive yourself. Don't be... It's not somebody else. It's not somebody else. Go with me, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Go over there. Remember this in this teaching. This is God working in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, if the first one that we've talked about caught you off God, then you're really going to be caught off God now because we're moving on. Restoration, secondly, requires 
rebuilding my relationship with the church. Hmm. Now, I'm not talking about COLW. I'm not necessarily talking about attendance and ministry involvement. I'm talking about rebuilding my relationship with the body of Christ, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, you can show up every week and your church and your relationship with the church can still be damaged. And you come in here every week. In other words, how I relate to what I need, because whether you know it or not, you need the church. See, how you relate to what you think you need, whether you know it or not, you need the church. And how I relate to what I need can be damaged. And with... And when how I relate to what I need, which is the church, is damaged, is that this is what it is. Now, some of you listen real good to this. Some of you, especially you that are streaming, that half go to church. You're streaming now, but let me tell you, you shouldn't have always been streaming. You should have been in church. And so you feel okay with it now, but everybody's streaming. And you like, so we're all going to do it. So this is what you were doing when you should have been in church. But listen, you, because you think... A damaged relationship got you thinking you don't need the church. How you relate to what you think you need, it damages you. So you think to yourself, I don't get the value and the usefulness of a relationship that you ought to have with the church. See, there's no value to you in it. There's no usefulness in it to you. Not until it benefits just you. If my relationship with God is damaged, then it's going to also damage my relationship with the church. Now watch this. In Genesis, Cain's relationship with God damaged his relationship with his brother. And he slew him. Because again, once your relationship with God is damaged, it's going to damage other ones. Where the church is the family of God. If I have a problem with the father, it's going to show up in my relationship with my siblings, the children. It's going to show up with my siblings. And if you can't have a good relationship with your siblings in the house in which you are born into, because you're born again, so you're born into the house of God, and you can't get along with the siblings in that house, there's no need to try to work on all of the other relationships. Because if you're struggling in the house that you were born into, in that father's house that you were born into, and with the siblings and the members of that house, how do you think that you're going to just be okay with every other relationship? It doesn't work that way. See? This may not be going the way that you think it's going, but it's going the right way. God knows what He's doing. See, this is a long way from trying to just confront somebody in your past that you think did you wrong. See, God is dealing with you because the damage is in you. This is about what's wrong on the inside. On the inside of you. What's damaged on the inside of me. I want to know God is dealing with the inside. 
How has it impacted my relationship with God? How has it impacted my relationship with the church? Hmm. How has it impacted my relationship with my brothers and my sisters? Think on it. That are right here in the church. And by the way, if you're married, that brother, that sister in Christ, they are your brother and sister. Whether you're married, they're still your brother and sister in Christ. And there are certain things that a Christian ought not to say to their spouse. Because why? God is their parent too. But if a relationship is damaged with my father, I'm going to talk to his, I'm not going to talk to his daughter right or his son right. Damaged relationship. Because how I was raised. Let me tell you, when my children was growing up in our home, when we left, their father always said, the first rule of the house was no fighting. No fighting. Absolutely no fight. Until this day, we still laugh and joke about that. And how they used to try to hide if ever they would try to wrestle something down. And how that first whooping that their dad gave them about fighting. And they still, that's why they're best friends today. They, they got that lesson. But that was the first rule in the house. No fighting. So what, so what damages the relationship with the church? Well, sin damages the relationship. Not just our sin, but others. It damages the relationship. How do you know sin can damage the relationship with the church? Guess what else damages the relationship with the church? Hypocrisy. Right within the, right within the church. And I'm talking about the church universal. And we can bring it to individual local congregations, but you have to look on the inside of yourself. Hypocrisy. Those folks in there, they're supposed to be. Now, yeah, now, you know, they all, they're not any of that. Hypocrisy. You know what else we have damages relationship? The human element. It damages just the human element. Just damages. I mean all of the different personalities and different ways of seeing things. Some people have a sense of humor. Some people don't have a sense of humor. Some people are talkative. Some don't say anything. See, just just the human element. Some people only afternoon. Don't want to talk in the morning. There's a human element. Some people are direct. They can tell you whatever they want to tell you in five minutes. Some people have to give. Some people give you a thesis. It's just a human element. And all of them are serious, but these these, these two are really even very serious to me. Here's one, false doctrines. False doctrines. The, and one of the false doctrines is, I don't need the church. I can know God all by myself. I can have a relationship with God without being in the church. That is a false doctrine. 
false doctrine, false spirituality. I don't have to be in that building to know who God is. <laughs> Shame and embarrassment. What people going to say? People are going to look at me differently. They're going to see what mistake I made. Uh, yeah, okay. Let, let, me, let me bring you up to date, those of you that think that, you know, you have a problem with the church because you, what are they going to say? And if I came back, you know, how are they going to look at me? What are they going to think? What do you, you know, I'm ashamed about this and they seen I've made a mistake. Listen, let me bring you to something. The church is a collection of people who have all blown it. What you don't know, there, it's all, that's all the church is. It's a collection of people. Everybody has blown it. Well, I know, but they're going to see I had a, a lot of wet at this. I, in here, the living water and churches all around the country, let, a, a lot of them in here had children out of wet. <laughs> The only thing about that is, they've lived now that the children are grown, and you just don't know it. That's all it is. You just don't know it. They look good now and holy. And they walk around like, I've never done nothing but all that's right. You just don't know it. Many. There's many in the church that had abortions. Now praising God. You just don't know it. You're not the only one that have had a a pregnancy or a baby outside of marriage. (laughs) They did too. It's just so happened now their children's in their thirties and forties and, and you know, you say they judging me. No, you know what? They were you. They're not judging you. They were you. That's what they're looking at. They were you. See, you that because you don't know. And then that makes you have a problem with the church. See, some of us suggest if I lived that, that everyday observation that we were not right. Doesn't mean that it was right, but it just means that you don't have to see it every day now. See, the eyes have gotten, have lightened back up. The lips have got back into the regular color. But it doesn't mean, it, it, it doesn't mean what you think it means. It's God working in you. Hebrews chapter 10, are you there? Here God is letting the Jewish, uh, those Jewish descent. Uh-oh, that's there. Okay. I got too much stuff going on up here. God is letting the Jewish descent know that they are under the new and living covenant through Jesus Christ. He's redeemed us from uh, sin and there's no sacrifice for sin. That he paid for our sins. Then in Hebrews chapter 10, it goes on to let us know that even though that we are under a new and living covenant, there are still requirements that we have to live by. In other words, we are under a new covenant, we are under a new arrangement, under grace, but that doesn't mean that there are things that we have to do. 
So, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, let's look at some things we have to do. There's three most important things that we have to do. Number, verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He's given us the, the, the first one. He's given us the requirements. Now listen, listen. He just said, let us draw near with a true heart. See, now that, 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 that's our first one. We have to draw near with a true heart. Not a play heart. We're not playing around. Second thing. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. I like that one. He gives us a requirement. That's, now, when it says hold fast the profession of our, of our faith, that is not having a profession or a confession for a car or a house. That is a confession. You know, I just, you just have to say that. Because people, they use that for a car. I'm just making my confession. I'm confessing that I have a... That's not a confession for a husband. That is a profession of your faith and that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. Let's balance that. It's not about trying to get things and stuff from God with that scripture. Listen, the third requirement. I like this in 24. And let us consider one another. Oops, here we go. Let us consider. Now, this is an equal priority. See, what we want is that hold on to our profession. That's okay. You know, the profession of our faith, no problem. Consider one another. Uh-oh. Now you're asking me for a little bit more. Listen, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as we see the day approaching. I cannot have a relationship with God if I don't have a relationship with you. No way. It is a part of what he did when he died on the cross. He brought us together. And he wants us together. He brought us together for a reason. You, you, you cannot stay at home and say, you know, well, let's just look at it on, on, let's just stream it. Let's just look at it there. And that's that. Not when you can come to church. Now, we know what's going on now. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about before Corona. And you weren't coming to church. No way. You are up under false doctrine and you're ignorant because you think you know him. And evidently you don't. Because he just gave you a requirement that you're not doing and you wasn't doing. Restoration requires letter A that I realize that I need the church. I have to realize I need the church. There are people, and there are people that come in here every Sunday, every Wednesday, and you have yet to realize that you need the church. And see, there's no excuses. See, now you feel comfortable because everybody has to stay home. But if we were all here and you weren't here, you would find an excuse not to come. That's called being deceived. 
You cannot be a part of the church and not have fellowship. You cannot. You have to realize that I need the church. I need the love that is in the church. Well, I don't know if it's love that Well, how do you know if you're not here? How do you know if you're not anywhere? How do you know if love is in the, not in the church? You need the fellowship that is in the church. Because something's going to come up in life and then you'll need everyone. And you haven't, you haven't fellowshiped with them. They don't know how to even handle you. I'm going to tell you this now. I don't care how you look, how you feel, and what you think you have or what you don't have or what you say you know about God and, and all the, the little doctrine and all of the apologetics you like to do and all that kind of foolishness. Listen, it's hard to be strong without fellowship. It is hard to be strong without fellowship. Listen, who you surround yourself with impacts your health. Spiritually and naturally, who you surround yourself with impacts your health. Have you noticed those of you that work in places, they have areas down in, in some of your areas where people are smokers. You don't see non-smokers go down there with the smokers. You're impacted by people that you surround yourself with. So Christians, you don't fellowship with Christians? How? Well, how do you fellowship with other Christians? You're going to fellowship with them at church. So if you don't come, there's no fellowship. No wonder you feel uncomfortable. You ought to feel uncomfortable because there's no fellowship. When, now, see, you, y'all know, again, if you're looking at the vessel, you just missed it. But I'm going to tell you this, and this is God speaking. God whom He will. I'm telling you this. When I am in church, it keeps my other relationships healthy. When I am not in church, my other relationships are prone to sickness. Restoration makes me realize that I need the church. And the reason why you think you don't is because you're not restored. But it also requires, let it be, that I recognize my role in the church. You have a role in the church. You are a member of the church. And all of those things that may have damaged the relationship, they are in you like sin. Because the Bible said all have sinned. So guess what? If somebody's sin bothered you, guess what? Your sin bothered somebody. If somebody else's hypocrisy bothered you, your hypocrisy bothered them. You know, young adults will say, you know, you know, people in church, they'll, you know, they're all hypocrites. I just, mm-mm, mm-mm. Well, you know I mean, I'm talking about children that go belong to your church, and they'll say, "Oh, no, they are all hypocrites." Well, if you're there, you're not doing everything that's being taught, so you're a hypocrite too. Hmm. We are all members one of another. Yeah, but it's different. I never said I was going to do well. Neither did they. That you're calling hypocrite. They just said, "Amen." 
And see, when I was younger, way, way younger, I used to think amen meant that you would do what was said. But now I know after years of and for a lot of people, it's just something to say to keep them awake in church. Amen. 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 Some of you even miss it on every time. And you need to be good to your wife. Amen. Because it's just just something to say for some people. It's not just, just, amen, I'm going to do it, or amen, it's so. It's amen, I got to keep saying it so I can stay awake. Listen, everything that is in the imperfect nature of others, is, it's in the imperfect nature of you as well. No complaints. But I have to recognize, I have a role in the church. I have a role in the church. I have a share. I have something to give and it's important. Everybody in the church has something to give and it is important. Here's your letter C. To be restored, I must reconcile my relationship with the church, but that I have to deal with the things in me that is straining the relationship. There's things inside of you that's straining the relationship. You know, if my relationship with my brother and my sister in in the church is strained because of the difference in our generation, that's your issue. Or that would be my issue. If I have a strain, be like, mm, you know, that's something I have to deal with. Because there's many members in the church who can fellowship with people across every, because every, across every generation. Let me tell you, I can, I can enjoy, and the, the youth group, and I'm in my 60s, and I can enjoy the, they love me and I love them. I can talk to them. I can do, if there's a strain that you can't talk to young people, I don't know, mm, I can't fellowship with them young people. Oh, those older people, I just don't understand, you know, that's called damages. And that's your own issue. You should be able to, be able to minister to anybody and fellowship with anybody in every generation. In every generation. Now, that damage is not institutional. So don't, don't blame that on the church. That's your own issue. And you're going to have to go and repair that. I see people around here all the time. We have a big difference in their generation. But I'm telling you, they have no problem fellowshipping with younger the younger have. I've seen younger that have no problem fellowshipping with the older. One of the young, one of the one young youth, and she might be listening to me this morning, and she sent me a text, and she was talking about our spring break and, and, and different stuff, and she was like, oh, you know what, we were waiting, wanting you to come to the room because you were going to do this with us, and you were going to do that with us. And, we're, and look, now what, what does a 16-year-old want with some 60-something-year-old woman around? Because there is no difference in the generation. Because why? I can talk to them. I can do it. And of course, I explained to her, well, they, and most of you all didn't know when I was down there, I failed coming back from when they were flying the kite. I was taking my grandson back to, back to the deal, and I fell face down with my deal broke. My phone 
twisted my ankle, hurt my wrist, and my son, Mom, just stand. And so it was, I was kind of messed up for a little minute there. And poor little Isaiah, he was trying to help me up. Madam, get up, get up. And nobody, nobody was there because where, where we were flying kites, after you go over here, you can't see them no more. And I was walking down the ramp. And you know, it had a step because it was a, pier and it had a step and I just missed the step I kept walking straight and I had my phone in my hand I fell face down my phone it's all cracked up green stuff going through it and my wrist and I just said madam madam get up get up I said I'm gonna get up just hold just hold hold still and, and I couldn't holler back because they were way far away and I limped to the room that was the only reason Miss T that I wasn't there Amen. Just wanted to say that again. But the main thing what I'm trying to say is there's no barrier. Why would she want some 60-year-old, you know, 60-something-year-old woman around with a bunch of teenagers? Because why? There should be nothing. It shouldn't be able where you can't communicate because they're too young. Or I'm too old for them. And I'm too... No, 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 no. Mm Mm-mm. And I enjoy them. They, I mean, and when they're looking for me, and you know what? It, it, and 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 it doesn't feed my ego, but it 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 makes me thankful when I walk by when everybody was here, and I walk by, and the children would say, "Pastor, are you gonna are you gonna come back tonight? Are you gonna come back tonight? Why? Because I can. You can talk to us. You don't. I don't feel like that. You way over the top, and you're too old." And I am old, but they don't see it that way. Why? Because there is no barriers. And it shouldn't be with any of us. Amen. And so, if there, if, you know, if, if, if we, if we're gonna do that, we have to understand that we have to be open straight across the board. There are other people in the church. It doesn't seem like you, see, if you're a person in this, in this church or any church that seems like that you can't get along with anybody but the same five people, you always get along with something's wrong. You ought to be able to get along with everybody. Everybody. If not, that's your damage. Now the third and final point. So I have to rebuild my relationship with God. I have to rebuild my relationship with the church. And then thirdly, I have to rebuild my relationship with authority. Mm, mm. Now that's a good one. I have to rebuild my relationship with authority. Oftentimes, the first relationship damage is the one that you have with authority. And it never really gets fully restored. Did you hear me? Most of the time, the first damaged relationship that you have is with authority. And it never gets fully restored. What we must often do is when our relationships with authority is damaged, is Move, we move on the assumption that it's no longer useful or valuable in my life. That's, see, that's your assumption. Because you've come against authority. So now they're not useful to me. They're not valuable to me in my life. But it's your damage. I said it's your damage. Maybe it was supposed to be useful and valuable. But daddy didn't treat me right. Let's just go there. Mama didn't treat me right. My teacher 
didn't treat me right. So I decided that it's no longer valuable to me. It's no longer useful to me. I'm just going to live my life without authority. Oh, it's many people like that. Just things in their life and now they feel like I don't have to, I don't, you know, no, no, no. I'm not having no authority. I'm my own authority. But listen, the relationship with authority has to be restored. It has to be restored. These relationships have to be restored. The relationship with God has to be restored. The relationship, these three have to be in place if you're going to be restored. Your relationship with God, your relationship with the church, it has to, your relationship with authority. Those three things must be restored. If you're ever going to be restored, you've got to have those things healed first. That damage. I've have been at odds with God, odds with the church, odds with authority. Those three have to be. Because it's going to impact every other relationship you have. Authority is valuable and useful in our lives. Did you hear me? Authority is valuable and useful in our lives. And I'm going to show you how important it is. Now, I'm in my 60s. Our pastor, my husband, went home to be with the Lord. My sons and myself have identified some senior men in this church. And I have, I have identified some senior men in this church that's going to take a fatherly role in my son's life. I can't do that. But they're here in this church. See, their father, my founding pastor, is no longer on the earth. But we still need authority. They still need authority. I myself need authority. By definition, being pastor, I'm the highest authority in this church. But I still need people in my life who can have authority in my life and can speak to me and my son and counsel me and my sons. See, I recognize that. And not, and not because I'm a woman. I'm, if I was a male, I still need an authority in my life, I need people. I need to surround myself with people with good counsel, that with good authority, that can help me. If I have a decision I don't know to make, I want to be able to go to them and get what, whether I take it or not, I need to hear what they have to say. I know that. I need authority. I'll always need people in my life who can have authority in my life, can speak to me and my son, give me wisdom. I don't care if they've lived on the earth less than me, that means nothing. I just need to know they're walking with God. And 
And if my husband have trust their judgment, then I will. Because I trust my husband's judgment. And my sons will. Because they trust our judgment. Listen to it closely. Even though I'm grown, my children are grown, and even though I've already raised a family, I was married for 40 years. I will still go to specific men in this church and ask them advice. Bring issues to them that I'm dealing with. You know why? Because I understand the value and the usefulness that most people don't. I understand the value and the usefulness of having somebody in your life who's in a position of authority. And so many of us struggle way too hard because we have never repaired this relationship, authority. We've never repaired it. That relationship with authority. And this is the thing about it. You don't think you need it. Because you're grown. I don't need it because I'm grown. But guess what? You're too old not to have somebody in authority in your life. You're too old. Did you hear me? You're too old not to have any authority in your life. If you're your own self-authority, I'm scared of you. I'm scared of you. Now notice what I said. Not too old to have somebody in authority. Not to. You have gotten grown enough to realize that I'm doing it by myself. Hmm. Hmm. Let me tell you. If you're doing it by yourself, and we're just going to do it, we're going to do our own thing, we're going to do it ourselves, let me tell you. If you're going to do it yourself without anyone's help, you are a recipe for disaster. And I will encourage people to stay away from you. Because you need to be under authority. You need to be under authority. And again, I'm not talking about rebuilding a a relationship with a person. I'm talking about building a relationship, uh, uh, about how we relate to the position of authority. Did you hear me? How we relate to the position of authority. See, my sons, myself, we can't rebuild, or we can't rebuild a relationship with our with their dad, my husband, our founding pastor. Why? Because he's gone. He's gone. But still, there's a position there. God left it open to fulfill it. He left it open. So, I take our founding pastor out. Why? Because he's no longer there. I see the senior men in this church, and there's several of them. I slide them in that position. I slide them in that position. For me. Why? Because, again, I understand useful and valuable to me and my son's life. 
and my grandchildren's lives. I understand it. And if I didn't have that, listen, without this, I could unintentionally hurt all other relationships. Ooh, you missed that. I can unintentionally hurt other relationships. And there's many of you, because you will not submit to any authority, you're just wrecking relationships all over town. You're wrecking relationships within your family because you lack understanding. Listen, restoration requires that you're going to... Let me... We're going to read. Go to Romans 13 right quick. Romans 13, last scripture. Got to get this one. Oh, the last, last one. Just, just bear with me. Romans 13. Are you there? Beginning at verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinances of God, and they that resist shall receive of themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. On your um, you have to accept that you need authority. Authority is protection. Authority is somebody to stop you. Authority is somebody to set some borders and boundaries for your life. You don't know that that's authority is going to set the boundaries for your life. And then I'm going to have to acknowledge that I have authority. I hear people say, well, there's nobody who I can really trust. I can, you know, I can be the authority in my own life because I can't really trust everyone. You know why you can't trust anyone? Because you're not looking for anyone anyone to trust. You're not looking for it. But if you fix your relationship with God and you fix your relationship with the church and you fix your relationship that you have with authority... You'll be able to see it. Listen, I didn't say I didn't have anybody to have authority in my life. You said I can be my own authority. Mm -mm. Listen, if your relationship with authority wasn't broken, you could see who you have. See, you can't see who you have for authority when your relationship is broken. You can't see it because you don't trust anybody. So you'd be like, no, yeah, they're nice, but no. Yeah, you can't see it because your relationship needs to be restored with Christ. It needs to be restored there first. You won't be able to see your authority. 
Many of you, since Pastor has been gone, many of you, I'm sure that you struggle with me being authority. And simply because you have a, pro- a problem with God, the authority. And so it affects every other. It affects every other. So you have a, you have a sin, but you do. It's in your actions. But you'll get over that. If your relationship with authority wasn't broken, you could see who you have. But when your relationship with God is broken, you don't trust Him. So since you don't trust Him, you don't trust anybody in the church. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. God is speaking to you. Listen attentively. Submit fully. You don't trust anybody in the church. There's no one in church life. Guess what? That's your damage. And if you don't fix that damage, and many, oh my God, I have seen it, and I've seen it in adult children. Because let me tell you, if you don't fix that damage, you're going to teach it to your child and to your children. They won't be under authority either. They will grow up with no authority and protection in their lives. Then I must adjust my attitude towards authority. Now, this is the time. This, let me tell you, this span of time is meet for you to do it. This God said, put in the work. Take the jackhammer to that thing today. My attitude towards authority. Authority is not out to get you. It's out to help you. You have to fix your face. You have to fix your attitude towards the concept. That there may be somebody out there who can help protect my life by simply stopping me from getting in trouble and providing some borders and boundaries to keep me safe. That's the, listen, that's the problem. That's the way God has it set up. He's just showed you that's the way he has it set up. You're going to have to follow that. You're going to have to do that. You're going to have to work within those boundaries and within those guidelines. You've got to take that jackhammer and say, Father, thank you for the tool. I am going to jackhammer this thing away till I can see and know who the authority I need in my life. The relationship that I have ruined because my father, I jackhammer all the different questioning that I and doubts I've had about you and the lack of trust out of it. I take a hammer, jackhammer to it. I take that tool today and I bust that thing up and I believe you. Nothing's gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me from trusting you, believing you, staying with you. Everything that you said in your word, I believe it. And if you ever want to know what the resurrection is about, it's this. He was resurrection that you can walk in this truth. That you can be strong in this truth. That you can prepare yourself to be used in, by Him. You can prepare yourself for His next move. That you will walk in no fear, no anxiety, no frustration. Why? Because I trust you, God. Stop looking for reasons not to trust Him. But you will never be able to not look for Him until you first repair the damage. 
repair the relationship. Forget about what people think, what people say, how they think of you, what they... I don't care. You know what? I'm not impressed what people say about you. I'm not impressed what you say about yourself. I'm impressed with God. Because God knows it all. And He's showing it to us all. He's opening it up to us all. He's giving it to us explicitly. He's showing us this is the way it should be. This is the way it's supposed to be. We can do all of this because God has given us the ability to walk in this truth. I'm sold out to this. I'm sold out to this ministry. I'm sold out to authority. I'm sold out to clearing up every relationship. Because why? When his next move... See, after Corona, there's there's something else is going to happen. God said, you already be prepared for my next move. Because I'm going to show you ever before it happened, like I showed you this before it happened. You did Now, God didn't come and say, oh, it's going to be a coronavirus. God doesn't work like that. But he prepared our hearts way down the line of things to come. He said, I'm preparing you. I've given you a dispensation of time because there's another dispensation coming. And get ready. It's a, so it is. It's going to be all the way until Jesus returns. And if you're still here, you got a job to do. You have a responsibility. If you're a believer, you have a calling on your life. And everybody, everybody under the sound of my voice, you have a calling on your life. And God is saying, position yourself. See, I'm positioning myself. But you have to work out your own salvation. You have to position your own self. You got to line up. You got to get your, you got to get in alignment with God. Nobody can get in alignment with God for you. You must get in alignment with God and say, God, I want to be where you are. On this resurrection, make this day, make this, a, I mean, you know what? You just need to just build an altar today to yourself and say, this day, it changes forever. The way I see things, the way I look at things, the way I feel about things, the way all of those things, I'm putting it on the line. God, I need restoration. I need you to restore me in every area. And that's what he's doing. So the damage part, God has given you everything you need to recognize it, to annihilate it from your life, to make it null and void, to crush it under your feet. Make it residue. Crush it. But take that jackhammer. Crush everything from these last two sessions of teaching. Go back. Crush it. And say, God, I'm ready for your next move. I'm ready for, I'm making the adjustment. That hard, unseen work that nobody knows about but me and you, Father, I'm dealing with it. I'm working it out. And remember, it's a process. It takes time. Things you've been doing for a long time. Some things will be instant. Some things will take a while. But the whole process as a whole is going to take time because it's step by step. And you're able to do it. I'm out of time, but God is not. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.com.